I was just like, you know what? I'm going to put out, I need to put out something. And I was visiting home. I, I haven't seen anyone in forever. Like I had, I haven't even played. I haven't like, I didn't feel like myself, you know? So it was really therapeutic to like hit up my, my friend Tim and, and be like, dude, let's get together. Let's record something. Like I, I, I have my friend, Jerry, he's, he's willing to like film this. Um, we can record it just like a mic in the room. Like, let's keep it super simple. It's just two dudes, two guitars, two hearts. That's it. It's your host, Senya. Welcome back to Chasing Artists, where we get to chat with artists and creatives from all walks of life, hearing their journeys of what got them where they are today. But before we dive into today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. I'm so excited for you to be joining me wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week to Chasing Artists. Today, we're chatting all things music with singer-songwriter and music producer, Mike Green. Hi, Mike. Welcome Hello. to the show. How you doing, Zenya? Good to see so you. So good. So good. Good to hear you, too, I, I guess, because this is just audio I hear. Yes. So this is like, okay. Yeah, it's, it, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So I like to start with just like how my guests and I have met or know each other. And this is the first time that we are actually meeting. Um, we got connected through my audio editor, Nate Bridges' Facebook post. And I'm just curious, like what made you want to come on the show? That's right. Um, actually, I was I was going through the Berkeley alumni uh, Facebook group and I'd seen him post something about this. And and I was looking for an outlet to promote uh this EP that just dropped today, which I'm super stoked about. It's just myself and my good friend, Tim Paul Mary, who's a longtime friend. And uh, when I went home briefly, we got together just kind of off the cuff, no rehearsals, no practice. We we're just like, let's make this happen. Let's work with natural light. And we did. And it came out today. And and that's cool. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear all of the things about this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But first, what what sparked your passion for music to begin with? Um, I, that, that's a great question. It um I kind of started, I guess I picked up a, a toy guitar when I was like three and a half. And my mom noticed that I had some rhythm and um I'd be just kind of like slamming at it and like not playing anything, but just slamming at it. And she's like, you know, let's, let's see if we could develop this. So she took me to a guitarist, a guitar teacher, uh, Nikki Nasco when I was about four, cause no one else would take me. I was that young. And I mean, for the most part, we were just like playing tic-tac-toe <laughs> and like, cause I just had the, I mean, my attention span was, I was about as sharp as a bowling ball back then. You know, so it's like, so I, um, so I kept, uh, going to him weekly and I did develop a deep passion for it. I love music. I love the Beatles. I, I love, I mean, back then I was listening to Buddy Holly, Tom Petty, uh, Beatles, man, a lot of classic rock. And, uh, and then I grew into some different styles. Um, and, uh, I'm trailing off. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally fine. I will prompt you with my next question. Yeah, um, I did. I did write down some notes and I was telling you this, I was like, the only thing I scribbled on the paper was what have you done? 
I feel oh. like that's that's the question that all of us artists ask ourselves. It's like we never feel like we've done enough. And yet we have a laundry list of things that we've actually done. Yeah. No, I mean, like, what have you done? You've opened up the gates. I could talk for hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, it, it, it is surreal, though, to to know that I was into music, though, at such a young age. It's just kind of I think it was more innate. It wasn't something that I don't know if it was sparked or if it was just like in the blood, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, to to be in guitar lessons at four years old, like that's so young. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, and for the most part, we were training by ear. Like I never took to reading music too well. And, uh, you know, over the years I developed and and grew out of that. And I mean, I still I read slowly. It's, but I'm very still very like ear prone, like street smart kind of just going with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you decide to pursue music professionally? Um, I think I was like the passion and the drive to pursue it as a career hit when I was in my teens and I had like a, a band in high school and we were playing some clubs and we got a good draw coming out and, you know, things just kind of like took off for a, a brief amount of time. And then I went to college at Berkeley College of Music and that kind of just put a hiatus on all that and kind of we had like a we just kind of fell out, you know, and and I just started doing my own thing and I just trying to find my own sound. And since then, I've just, uh, you know, I left school, came back home, started gigging and then and then had a whole other life in France that I'm sure we'll talk about. But it, it's so I, now coming back, I I just kind of reestablished myself and then the pandemic hit and now I'm here. I'm just like <laughs> chilling. Summed up in like three seconds. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh my god, no, no, no. <laughs> what were what were your early like performing days like? Were you did you have side hustles? Or were you just like gigging all the time? Uh yeah, I mean everything I'm I'm happy to say that I've made a living solely from music. There was one moment I had like a side hustle and, you know, obviously when I was in uh, my teens, I had like a dishwashing job. I had like miscellaneous jobs. Um, But music was always my primary motivation. If just like, I want to be doing this for a living, no matter what I need to do to do it. And I've been, you know, playing gigs though, since I was eight, I like the first gig I had, uh, one of the first gigs I had was at Toad's place in New Haven. I was eight years old. I had like a little leather vest on, some jeans, and I was like shitting my pants because there was like <laughs> 400 people in there. It is something that my my voice teacher at the time had had a range, and I went up and I played like three Beatles songs, and uh, and then for, I think like the moment I started singing, like all my nerves just kind of melted away, and I was like, "This is awesome! Like this is what like what a feeling!" and, and uh, I've always been kind of like pursuing that since. Yeah. That's when, you know, like that's exactly where you're meant to be. Like no words. You just have that visceral, like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like my nerves went away. Like every time I I play, like I run up and down stairs because I feel like I have to pee so bad, you know? And it's just like, I just get super nervous, but then I try to take a step back and think of it as like a more selfish thought to be nervous where it's like, you know, you're there for the audience. They, they just kind of want to be taken away someplace and it's up to you to deliver that and like, and help them out for a second, you know, cause you can. Um, yeah. So it's a really cool thing. I'm curious if that translated to when you would perform for like Mick Jagger and John C. Riley. 
yeah, that uh, well, th- those moments happen so fast that you kind of like pinch yourself afterwards. You're like, did that happen? Just now? <laughs> you know, and it's and it's always like a word of mouth kind of thing. Like I was doing a lot of private events in a band that I was in, in fr- with France, in France, with France, in France, you know, um, it's called the Flyboys, And we just kind of went around uh, the entire globe <laughs> to like over 36 countries, at least in the, in the four year span that I was with them, we were, we were in about 36 countries and uh we went to a lot of just like celebrity events and uh, like the Cannes Film Festival was one of them. And we would perform on a yacht in the uh, in the Cannes, uh, in the Cannes water, the French Mediterranean, the Riviera. And uh, and and when we were on the yacht, it's like, you know, celebrities come to this yacht to kind of like do their thing and meet with people and schmooze and stuff. And our job was to sit on the back of the boat and perform when people would arrive on the Tinder. So they would like come in and it's like, you know, once they're a little ways out, we'd start, we start a song. So like, by the time they're there, they're like getting on board, they're dancing, someone's handing them drinks. We're having a good time. And uh, so like the events going on and, and, and the cool thing about this boat is that on the very top, there's like a whole stage and like a jacuzzi and the, the jacuzzi has like a cover. This guy obviously is, he's doing okay. I don't think he has it that bad. Um, but he would invite artists to play on the top. And, and after we had kind of done our thing, I was just up there in midst, uh, you know, within the audience. And, and there's this kind of like little old lady with like bushy hair, like standing in front of me. And I was like, Oh, you know, it's, I couldn't really see what was going on. So I like, I look away and I turn back and then she turns around. I'm like, that's not a lady at all. That's fucking Mick Jagger. Holy shit. <laughs> and I'm like looking at someone next to me. I'm like, that's Mick Jagger. And they're just like, yeah, like, no, no, that can't be. Anyway. So I introduced myself to him. I was like, oh my, it, like, what do you say? You're just like, thank you. Basically. You're just like, thank you for everything you've done. You're amazing. And he was super cool, super down to earth and personable. And I was just kind of taken back by that. And uh, when he was leaving, you know, our group kind of got the word of that. So we ran back, grabbed our instruments and I had like, you know, I don't know if it was the right thing to do, but I took my phone and I gave it to one of the, the dudes who, uh, who was just kind of like, you know, managing the bow area. And I was like, just, I don't know what's going to happen. Just record this. <laughs> and, and so like, they're getting in the boat to go and we pick up our instruments and we just start being like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> and, and he sits there, like docks the boat, like make sure they, he makes sure they don't leave. He comes out, starts like whistling and singing, starts like singing satisfaction with us. And he's just like, yeah, like whistling at us. And we're, and I'm like, we're kind of all in the moment. Just like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> like this Mick Jagger, man. That's you know? so kick-ass. Yeah, so he was digging it, and uh, he's a super cool dude, and it was it was it was an honor, and it was such a great moment too to share it with with great friends of mine, and and a beautiful area, and yeah, man, you can't make those moments up. Yeah, that sounds really really cool. Yeah. So it was on the, sorry, it was on the same boat actually that we met John C. Riley. Oh shit! Who, yeah, he had he had seen us play, and he was like. And he he's he's interesting because he's just like off the cuff. He's just like, let me, we got to do something together. And we're just like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm gonna call my friend and see if I can get something in during the Cannes Film Festival. And we're just like, okay. 
<laughs> so he like he invites us over to his Airbnb and we're sitting there and it's like it's like is John C. Riley really serving us coffee cake right now and coffee and like <laughs> what the, what is happening and he wants to do just a gigolo he wants to sing just a gigolo and like you know I ain't got nobody and uh he 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 calls in and gets basically the closing set of on stage closing out the the Cannes film uh, festival and so he invites us over we we start practicing it and like you know I kind of noticed I mean I I grew up watching him so it's it's a little surreal to like meet him the person the actor the human being when it's like I know also know him as like Sasquatch and Dr. Steve Brule and so, so it's like and it's like you don't really want to bring those moments up because it's just a sense of professionalism at the time and so anyways, we go over the song, blah, blah, blah. I see him kind of like pacing around the house with a, a vape. And I was like, oh, you know, interesting. I wonder, I wonder if he smokes. He must. He's Dr. Steve Brule. Like it's, this is John C. Riley, like comedic genius. And uh, when we were, we were playing the Cannes Film Festival, I, 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 he was his 50th birthday. So, you know, I was just like, you know what, let me, let me roll a joint. I'm just going to roll a joint and I'm just going to bring it there and we'll see what happens, you know? And, and cause I just wanted to give him something and say, thanks. And, you know, if he declined it, that's fine, whatever, you know? And so we were in the Cannes film festival changing uh, in the green room. And I like, I just, I'm like, Hey John. And at this point we're like, we're all in our underwear, just kind of like getting into our apparel and stuff. And I'm like, John, listen, I rolled this for you. And I think we should all smoke it right now. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't know if this is like a historic thing, because this may have been like the first just kind of <laughs> just light, lighting up in the green room of the Cannes Film Festival. Who, who the hell knows? But we basically just sat there in our underwear in the green room. <laughs> and it's like and then we like put on our suits. We go back down and it's like we're singing with like Guillermo del Toro and like all these people behind this behind the stage. And it's like I again, it's a very surreal moment. And it's just like to share it. I don't know if I should even be saying this story because it's like, I don't want to incriminate John or anybody. Obviously it's like, it's legal now. So, you know, it's Mike Green. This is what I do. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it really is a, it really was a trip and he's such a great guy, such a humble guy. And uh, it was an honor to perform with him and hilarious. It was actually, it was just, everything about it seems so hilarious and so awesome. And yeah, it's just funny to look back on, you know, like one of those moments that there's no way you can make it up. You can't make it up. And it's like, I don't even know if you'd even remember me, but you know, it's like your 50th birthday is pretty dope. It's like, you're closing the film, the Cannes film festival and you're just chilling backstage with good people singing great songs. I mean, you can't beat that. That's the life. Yeah. yeah. So 36 countries. In four yeah. years. That's dope. I'm yeah. jealous. <laughs> I what's what was that like? What's the tour process like for you? It, that was a lot. I mean, it was honestly like when you're if you could just click your heels and arrive, that'd be amazing, you know. And sometimes I try to to do that by just being absolutely tired and sleeping on the plane and kind of like stumbling through the the terminals. Um, but yeah, traveling could be pretty grueling. It's just you know, your cycles are all thrown off. <laughs> like you're, 
you know, your, your sense of time is all thrown off and it's like, you're like traveling with melatonin and a thing to put over your eyes and the best earplugs you can find. And, uh, but it's, it's worth it when you, when you get there and you see people react to what you do and you see the love, like, I mean, it's just, it's unreal. It's one of the greatest feelings ever to just see something land and people just have a great time and, and they know that you were there to make their day a little bit better, you know, or a lot of it or a lot better, you know, it's like, but it was crazy to see the world. And um, I think everyone should do it as much as they can, if they can, when they can, you know, it's, it's, it adds so much uh, character and perspective and it's, it's just, it's so fascinating. Yeah. We've been to some wild places and uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really more to say about that. That's just <laughs> unreal. Yeah. Do shows, like, can they differ based on where you are on your tour and like who the audience is? Um, yeah, I will. I mean, I think, I think like the moment either the curtain drops or the, or like you're just in a dining room or something, even if it's something small, it's like the moment you start playing, you're playing like you mean it, you know, and you're giving your all. So I don't think it would matter if it was 10 or 10,000, but, um, it does make a difference for adrenaline. That's for sure. You know, it's like, sometimes if the moment seems a little bit hyped, I feel like I can even like hit my notes a little bit better or something, you know, mm. it's like you got that extra push just to know that people are like vibing in general. You're just like, okay, this is dope. <laughs> yeah. Into it. Yeah. Cause it's like, sometimes, I mean, most musicians they're using this like internal light that inevitably re needs refueling at, at times, you know? So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What's, what's your like planning process, your pre-tour planning process? Um, cross your fingers, send a <laughs> bunch of emails, drink coffee, keep yourself sane, take a break. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't beat yourself up too much. It, it's, uh, I think it's like, it, if it gets to a point where you can just kind of automate it, then it's a little bit less grueling, but uh, I'm still kind of like taken off. So, I, I, you know, I have, I have yet to tour on my first album because I had released it and then I did maybe three months of performing here in LA. And, you know, and since then we've kind of all been on lockdown. So the moment that happens though, I'm ready to do it. I would love to do like a West coast tour or, a, you know, or maybe even East coast tour. I don't know if I'm going to do the cross country thing yet, but to, 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 we had a, I had a manager back in France who was kind of handling all that, all that jazz. And I don't know how he did it. I really don't. I'm like, I, the guy has so much patience. Like I, 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 even just being on the phone with customer service, I like put it on mute and I'm just like, you son of a <laughs> just like, you know, then I unmute it and I'm like, Hey, it's me again. Right. I don't know how he does it. Um, but he did it. And a lot of the planning came from word of mouth. It's like, we would just play shows. And I mean, it still kind of works that way. It's like, people are just like, Oh, I saw this. This was dope. I want to have this at my party or I want to throw an event or, um, you know, things of that like. So a lot of the process is just keep at it, keep your head down and focused. Even in moments like these where your EP drops or something, it's like, that's when the work starts, you know, telling people about it and stuff. So yeah, don't go crazy. Yeah. 
Well, okay. I want to hear about France in general. How long did you live there? I lived there for about four years. And then I came back briefly to, to fill in, um, for another couple of months. So like four and a half years roughly, but you know, with all that traveling, it's like, I think I was only there at any given point, like two weeks at a time, mm. you know? And then anytime I had like a month off, I would fly home mm. to see my family. Um, so yeah, it's like, I mean, it's gorgeous there. You know, I felt like I didn't deserve to live there. I was just like, what? It's like, I, I, it, to me, it was like that place you retire to when you're 50 or something. You just live on the water, you know, just wake up late, have a smoke and a croissant. And <laughs> just, I know. need that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I need that like all the time. Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's, it's just like, it was such a, I was so I just was not acclimated to that it seems so surreal I don't really know how to express it but it's gorgeous and I think everyone should visit especially the south of France it's absolutely gorgeous I didn't really travel too much I've traveled to Paris and Montpellier I mean the places that were around the area obviously but most of the times we were in the car I was like like just so fucking tired that I like I was just like, yeah, I don't know where we are. I'm just going to grab the guitar and, you know, I'll turn, I'll turn the switch on once we take the stage. Like, trust <laughs> me, I'll, I will be there. But some of the other times I was just like, what, huh? Where are we? What'd you say? <laughs> like, it's surreal, you know, it was, it was fun to get to tune out and just have fun. And, and uh, France is a place that I'll always feel as a second home to me, you know? Yeah. So what brought you there? like what brought you to live there uh that would be my friend my colleagues from berkeley oh they, st they started a band and they had hit me up um when i had first moved to la they hit me up to to go play over there and i had just gotten here so i was like no you know i wasn't really feeling it and then a couple years had passed and they'd called me again i was like you know what what the hell let's do it and uh so they brought me there and i was with them you know all four years they're great people yeah so what's your songwriting process like? Oh, man. It's, um, it's a little bit of everything. Like, I, I'll see it differently. Sometimes it's lyrics first. Sometimes it's guitar first. Sometimes, I mean, most of the times I'm, like, fiddling around with my keyboard on my computer, and I hate that. Like, I, I just, I'd rather be in a room with people moving the air around and making frequencies and noises and you know so i get a little bored um writing on my own or sometimes so i invite people to collaborate who who's writing i love to inspire me in return as well and um i usually i, I mean for the most part i start with riffs i start with like a guitar part and i'm like okay what's this mood what's this vibe i'm feeling and then i kind of move forward from there um but, uh, you know, the most part it's I think it's the same as the, 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 you know, the pre tour setup thing. It's like, just have your coffee, smoke your weed and don't go mad. Like, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I just kind of like some, every time I, I mean, I know I'm an accomplished player, but like every time I sit at the guitar, I still feel like I'm picking it up for the first time. And there's like this giddiness, this like sense of like, can I do something cool today? Like, I don't know. And, it, it, you know, things just happen. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel that. It's like very yeah. just kind of like flow state a lot of the time. 
yeah, you're just channeling a, a vibe that might, you know, it might be something you're pulling in down from the air, like a apple from a tree or something, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. So do you have any like notable influences who helped you uh, and like shaped you in your music process? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Dave Matthews band mm. for sure. Um, obviously the Beatles. Uh, I mean, I, Tom Petty, Erica Badu, D'Angelo, John Mayer, uh, Jack Johnson. Um, I mean, I listened to a lot of styles. I mean, I had a whole like family values <laughs> face. Like, I, I think if it's from the heart, I'm into it, you know? Yeah. But, but, some, but someone who resonated the most with me for the longest is Dave Matthews, because I, I just, I, I think like I, I'm always, I've always admired his, his musical taste and, and how he gives attention to his group who are just phenomenal, phenomenal musicians. I mean, I've even had Rashawn Ross uh, work with me on my debut album restart. And, and that was like such a surreal moment because I'm like, what, what is he doing? Like Rashawn Ross is, is like, this is the sickest thing. He's, he's humble beyond words but he is the dopest the sickest the illest trumpet player and musician and friend um and the fact that i get to call him a friend is, is really cool because the, yeah the day matthews band has stuck with me i've always loved how it was like a song but it was jam oriented and they could hold their ground and um you know not every song is about love or not you know so and there's just cool like uh polyrhythms and there's a lot of intricacies happening and the blend of like R&B and funk and rock and pop. So I, it was, I was like seeing for the first time, someone who can command attention while keeping it eclectic. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like one sound. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Like it shouldn't be. Cause like, that's the same reason I love the Beatles, you know, or the same, cause it was just changing. It was always evolving. And um, it's weird. Cause I feel like a lot of artists today get pigeon held into like staying with one sound and it's like if everyone knew the muzzle that they were putting on the artistic community it's like there's so many cool things that we haven't heard yet and that's exciting you know and and i i just like i want to do my best at some point to carry the torch of my predecessors and the people who inspired me and it's like i i don't think i'll ever do them justice you know it's like but i i have to try so I'm uh, I'm just looking forward to the future and and uh, I'm looking forward to the music and culture in general. I think there's where there's a paradigm shift going on, you know. Mm. Yeah. So tell us about the EP that drops today. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. So this so this is interesting because I I have a series of songs that I'm working on for my sophomore album and most I mean I have like a couple that are ready, but one of them. I was like, this could be cool if it was with a band or if it was acoustic. So I've been kind of like, you know, just antagonizing myself over the course of, you know, the last two years being like, you know, you should put something out. I felt like I was like collectively mourning. I wasn't, I wasn't really in like a creative state by any means. I was just Mm -hmm. like trying to, you know, just move forward day by day, but I was writing here and there. And, um, one of the songs I had written with my good friend, Jonah Smith, who is an unreal singer songwriter. Like he's just, he's got this voice. That's like, it's just the voice, you know, 
when you hear someone, you're like, that's the fucking voice. And like, mm-hmm. this was the voice. And, and I had, I had, I forget how we met. I think I was introduced to him um, at a Paramount party with my friend Marcus Eaton, who is also on my last album, another great singer songwriter. And, and I, and I, I had listened to Jonah when I was in college. So like some, one of my friends, uh, Steve Gasper, he, he was like, you got to listen to the song It's called my morning scene. And it had this like folky country vibe, but it's just like, a, it's like a train kind of like moving forward. And, and the recording was phenomenal and the playing was phenomenal. And I was like, this song is sick. And, and for one of my proficiency exams at school, I had transcribed the guitar solo. So flash forward 10 years later, I didn't think I'd be like sitting at a cafe with Jonah Smith and he'd be like, yeah, man, let's write. And I was just like, what? <laughs> this is cool. It's so I showed him this riff that I had for some time and that, cause that's a part of my writing process. I just hold on to things until I'm mature enough to finish what I started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, sometimes I'm like, you know, I got to throw in the towel and say like, maybe this isn't up to me to finish the song. And I just, I was like, you know, Jonah's got that like sound that would encapsulate. Like, I feel like he wouldn't understand the direction a bit. So I showed him this riff and he immediately dug it and we were working on it. And I was like, I had ideas for the sun goes down and all the stuff. And that's the name of the song, by the way, sun goes down. And, um, and so we, we played it and I was like, this is fucking dope. And, and uh, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to put out, I need to put out something. And I was visiting home. I, I haven't seen anyone in forever. Like I had, I haven't even played. I haven't like, I didn't feel like myself, you know? So it was really therapeutic to like hit up my, my friend, Tim and, and be like, dude, let's get together. Let's record something. Like I, I, I have my friend, Jerry, he's, he's willing to like film this. Um, we can record it just like a mic in the room. Like, let's keep it super simple. It's just two dudes, two guitars, two hearts. That's it. You know? And, uh, he was, he was into it and I was like, this is sweet. So he's a busy guy. He's just joined a new band. He's, he's in like four other bands. He teaches guitar. I mean, like this, I don't know. He's a machine. So the fact that he even had the time to like hang out and stuff, I was super grateful for that. And so he was, um, we grew up on the same street together. That's a, that's another detail. So I've known him for a long time and he'd always like come on over, like during the Thanksgiving, uh, day and we would just jam on like and make up funny songs and do funny things. So it was weird to like actually put something out that was like serious and not just us like goofing off. Um, and so like, we, we just set up, we had, we were working with natural light. We, we only had one day to do this and uh, there was no rehearsal. I had, I had met with him. Like I ran to him on the beach with my guitar in hand and I was like, dude, here are the chords. It's just like, you know, this, 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 he's like, okay, got it. And then I like ran home <laughs> and then like a couple, a couple of days later, he just, he comes over and we did it back to back, like all three songs. And I was originally going to put it out as like one long video, but, uh, it was, I was, it was suggested to me that the people's attention span are much shorter today. So yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, let me, I'll put them out as three individual ones, you know, and see, see how people dig them. I can almost like see how they, how people dig them, you know, on individual levels. So I, I'm stoked about it. I'm really happy it's out. And um, yeah, dude, Tim's such a sick player. Like I, he's someone that I can have by my side and 
I know that I'm the weakest link, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. just like, I like that. Like, I want to be the weakest member of my band. Um, That's interesting. Why? Well, I mean, well, it's, it's two things. It's, it's, it's trust and it's growth and um, it's fun. Like it's I, like, I, I always want to be stepping forward. I never want to get stuck in a rut. And when I have people around me who educate me, who, you know, show me how it's done, you know, it's like, you, you really can learn a lot. And it's funny. I was saying this to a friend of mine recently. I was just like, you know, something you miss during the pandemic, during lockdown, is just conversations with anyone where it's like you, there's so much you learn. Um, just, just, just having a conversation, even like we are now, it's like, so much information people have it's like unreal so yeah so yeah it's that i mean the ep is out and uh yeah you can get it on all music streaming services you can watch the videos on youtube uh you could support it directly through Bandcamp, or you know yeah add it to a playlist it's just acoustic and chill and there's no like glitz or glamour about it it literally is us with guitars in a room that's so awesome i love yeah. that yeah cool yeah when the power goes out we still got you covered yeah yes <laughs> i don't know why i brushed my teeth for this now that i'm thinking about it <laughs> like, like, why did i do that you know what sometimes i brush my teeth before podcast interviews yeah it's like it, it makes me feel like fresh like yeah because we are talking you know this is a face-to-face discussion for it us is. at least not for the listeners <laughs> yeah literally like my hair is in the messiest bun ever it's fine i i almost bunned it up i was i wasn't sure i was like you know let me let the locks down <laughs> let them breathe so good it's hard work you know i didn't i know everyone was like oh having long hair is hard work but holy shit like there's a lot of hair it's like it's just i need to get it i need to i'm just trying to find like the right stylist who knows I'm like afraid it's at that point where like I've let it go. So now I can like do something to sculpt it, but mm-hmm. you got to put it into trustworthy hands, you know? So yeah. I don't, and I know nothing about this. Like my sister was showing me how to use like a hair tie yeah, and how to use bobby pins <laughs> and like what to put in my hair to like defrizz it. And I'm just like, whoa, this is uh, it's like a science. It, it really is. I, my hair is uh, down to my butt and <laughs> I have three hairstyles, which is messy bun high ponytail and messy braid. Wow. I don't know how to style my hair. No, I mean, it's not, it, it's because it's like, you need symmetry in some instances. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you really know how to work the mirror and like understand because sometimes I do it, but then it's like lopsided. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm still learning. It's a learning curve. <laughs> yes. Like, like everything. One day I won't have this hair. So I'm just like, I'm just going to flaunt it while I can. Yeah when did you did you was it like a conscious decision or did it just was it a result of like no haircuts during a pandemic yeah it it was that and then it became a conscious decision i was like huh i was like this is interesting me with long hair i was like i would never i've had short hair my entire life um i don't know if i let it get much longer but it's gonna go eventually you know it's like enjoy it while you can this is a this is it this is me my prime we'll bring this video (laughs) back in like five years oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. yeah see but that, like the moment i touch it, it fluffs yeah fluffy hair amazing yeah, so. 
Yours looks um, good. Yours looks. I like your bun. I don't know how you did oh, that. Oh, thanks. I, I don't understand. Like it looks like um like a not a donut but like a <laughs> like a it does look like a pastry of some sorts. It, yeah. No. Okay. It. I. <laughs> I think I know exactly what what you're talking about. It's like those like spirally like cream filled pastry oh, yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. exactly what we're going for. <laughs> it's like a crawler or something. It's like. I haven't had one of those in a while, but yeah, sorry. Okay, we're we're getting way off topic here. Oh, it's all good. Talk about donuts. Now I want donuts. donuts. Are so, I know. I was just gonna say donuts are so good, and I want one. Ah. <sighs> What's I your favorite got... donut? See, this is. I'm I'm finding I don't have donuts very often because I sometimes I feel so boring because I'm like I'm all about like the OG just glazed or chocolate glazed. Yeah. I think jelly ones are a bit messy and I don't like it when like shit gets all over my hands, you know, mm-hmm. if I need like a, a wet nap, I, know, I need to go into something knowing this is wet nap, well, like wet nap time, you know, For I'm sure. eating ribs or something. <laughs> Cause there's a, there's some things I, I love eating in my hands, but I don't want to feel the post hand effect yes. of knowing that I ate it and the guilt, like the guilt still sits on your hands. <laughs> yes i feel yeah what's your favorite i don't know um oh gosh i i like the the like cinnamon powder Mm. ones those are good yeah those are delicious yeah see for me it's still on the powdery a little on the powdery side that's true but those are delicious i feel like there's a whole world of artisan donuts that i've yet to be exposed to yeah someone's doing like I don't know, like crushed maple walnut with a glaze and a maybe it's see. I kind of want that now. <laughs> You're gonna invent that. I'm just gonna invent donuts. That's it. Changing it. <laughs> I quit new music. career path. New, new. Because I thought about this. I'm like, I'm at the crossroads now. Now's the time. So that's it, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I released the EP. I'm putting in the towel and I'm just kidding. Well, I'll make an EP about donuts. Do it. Donut. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I I do write a lot of goofy songs. One cool thing that I thought I did over the, over, uh, you know, when we're all in lockdown, um, I had a song of mine featured on adult swim Mm. called I'm just a fish. Now this is something that it's, it's, it's in like, it's, it's never going to be heard in any other like serious light. Cause it's such a dumb song, but it's also a very like philosophical song. And the words are like, I'm just a fish swimming on my lunch break. I'm just a fish looking for a waterfall, you know? And the fact that they played it on adult swim, cause I, I never thought in a million years I would share this song with anyone. And the first time it's played anywhere is on adult swim on the fish center. It's like the perfect place for my I'm just a fish song. So, you know, I've given thought to like writing like stupid songs because I write them every day. Like I'll just be walking around the house, you know, singing about the eggs I'm about to make or something stupid. I don't even know. But, you know, never say never. Yeah. (laughs) Inspiration can come from anywhere. Anywhere. Absolutely. Like the smell of this microphone after talking into it for 40 minutes. I'm just like, you know, maybe that's a song. Maybe that's a, <laughs> maybe that's a mood that I've yet to explore. And uh, it's, I, I hear songs in everyday 
conversations and headlines and articles. So that's like another way I like get inspiration, you know, reading uh, different people's thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of my inspiration will come at like the most inopportune times. And I'm just like, seriously? Yeah. Like, fuck, I'm in the shower. Not now. Right. <laughs> uh, I keep my, I write mostly my notes and like on my phone. Mm -hmm. So there's also like, I'm trying, I keep downloading them sometimes because I get this, I get concerned that it's all just going to like just disappear all my voice memos and my notes. So, you know, it's weird because I haven't, you know, other than writing my rent checks, I don't write. Like, I just don't, it's weird to use a pen. And now after a while, I'm just like, ah, my hand feels weird. I haven't <laughs> you know, written in so long. And it's so interesting. Just the culture shift there. Yeah. But it's so helpful because you could be anywhere and you're just like, oh, fuck, I have this idea. And you write it down. There you go. Yeah. I usually have to write more than what I think I should write because my memory is so bad. It'll be like, I'll go back and look at it later. And I'm just like, what? What yeah. was I thinking? Like, what was that? What? I, yeah. It's like, I wrote down, go to the bathroom. How did I forget that? <laughs> it's like, now look at me. Yeah. <laughs> no. I digress. Yeah. So <laughs> is there anything that I didn't ask about or that we didn't chat about besides donuts that you want to talk about or share? Um, I, I've enjoyed this conversation. You know, it's, it's, it's a little surreal because like here I am just in my home and I'm also not in my home simultaneously. I'm here with you and it's a lot of fun. I, I think we covered a lot of ground. I just hope that everyone, uh, gets a moment to check out this EP that just came out and that they check out my album restart, which, um, it's, it's a produced album. It's not live. Um, but at some point it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to release a sophomore album and I'd love to get a tour going. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I mean, you know, there's not really not much else going on. I feel like. Yeah. What was, what was your first album about? My first album. It's, it's, it's like a, pop rock album from like another universe, you know, where it's like, it's got a lot of moments and most of them are unexpected. Um, I would say it's typically chill and it has a lot of, uh, you know, emotions of like angst and lust and loss and jadedness. And is kind of like the closing chapter to my twenties and you can kind of hear like there is a sense of immaturity in the lyrics and like, you know, just but there's something I, I feel like there's something in there for everybody. You know, it's got some twists and turns that are really cool. And it, it's got a great team of people behind it. And um, yeah, like my friend Marcus Eaton, who he plays with, you know, he's you got to check his music out. He also plays with David Crosby. Um, he helped me produce uh, my song Always, which is just me and a guitar. Um, and it's the only song on the album that's like that. And some of the songs, you know, are like a bit more anthemic, like Break Free. And that has Rashawn Ross on, on horns, which, you know, again, I, I can't believe that even happened. That guy is, he's a mensch. He's, he's one of my favorites. I'll always remember that moment. Um, it's a cool album. It's really dope. You know, this is cool art. Uh, there's some music videos out for it. And uh, yeah, check it out. Oh, you might like it. You might hate it. Whatever. 
hearing that it's about like angst i'm like you're describing a typical tuesday for me yeah <laughs> like, i'm 26 i'm like yeah that, that, i'm just in that yeah yeah i mean a lot of the songs started as therapy for myself and i was like yeah maybe someone else you know might be into this like there's some love songs and you know some fun songs and stuff but i was just like you know really introspective on the whole thing and and i wanted to put something out that had like some high fidelity to it that could last and uh, i think it's a i think it's a great album i still do and i don't say that about much you know especially for things that i do i'm just like i'm not i'm typically like ah you could do better but you know we made that album in a garage um so it's kind of redefining garage bands i suppose <laughs> so <laughs> But yeah, it's like I, I made this in a garage, you know, both in the south of France and here in L.A. with some of my best friends and my heroes. And uh, well, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Final five is uh, technically speed round, but I don't think it has ever been speed round. So, OK, well, let's see. Let's see if we could do it like speed round. All right. Yeah, this will be good. Challenge. Like, what, <laughs> like just like five second answers or like like. One word to one sentence. Okay, let's do okay. it. One, what's the best advice you were given? Don't touch that. <laughs> okay, but now I got to hear the story behind that. No, no, I, well, this is just a sentence. I don't know. We're going to move on. Speed round. Oh, fine. All right. Keep me accountable. Question two, what's your pre-show ritual? Uh, running up the stairs because I feel like I have to pee. <laughs> what advice do you have for young musician musicians just starting out? Don't ever stop. Don't ever be hard on yourself. It's not about being good enough. It's just about taking people somewhere. Question four. What's the best part about performing live? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's like more of a primordial emotion. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't. All right. Like, it's no, like, that, that, I understand. Adrenaline's like, <laughs> adrenaline's like coursing through your veins. You're just, and I just, I just, it's fun. Fun. That's just, yeah. So it's fun. Last question Do you have a favorite quote or saying that you live by? Oh, you know, I don't know if it's my favorite quote, but it's a quote that was always hanging above the oven in my parents' house. And I believe the quote was, um, do not go where there is a path instead, go, there was go where there's no path and leave a trail. Mm. And, uh, I think Ralph Waldo Emerson, mm -hmm. I always like that. Yeah. Way and I always, I know, and I always like, I, here's one more. I always like the one it's never too late to be what you might've been. Ooh, you know, I always like that good too. One. Yeah. Cause you know, sometimes you like, I'll be like scrolling through Reddit and you see like, an 87 year old woman and graduate college and she like went to go do and you're just like fuck yeah like that's good for her that's yeah <laughs> she did something she wanted to do and like it, it, like you're always learning you know yeah i love that so, yeah oh my gosh this has been so good thank you so much for being here and chatting yeah with thanks us. hey I, you know it's fun to talk and i appreciate you having me on and i appreciate what you're doing for the artistic community and keep it up you're cool thanks you're yeah. cool too all right cheers 
Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time. Thank you.